Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One old man Hawkeye. One Marshall Bullseye. One bi-weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You're home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. It's episode 206. What in tarnation? What? <laughs> Is that how Marshall Bullseye talks? Yeah. What tarnation? That's you can't hear that. You say you haven't heard the what tarnation memes? I don't think I have actually. It's just people are just I I I don't even know something that rhymes with tarnation. Oh, what in constipation? (laughs) Just just whatever. It's the internet is full of idiots and humor is just all dadaism now. Yeah, it is. I was about to say like I don't. I'm I'm flooded in memes. I don't understand. I can't wait until um, the meme of February is lobster phone. Lobster phone? It's a dolly. Oh, right. Oh, got phone. it. Lobster phone. Yeah, I know. Yes, I understand that. Hello, this is lobster. <laughs> is, is that going to be the lobster instead of the dog? Sure. Okay. Hello. Hello. Lobster. Hello, yes, this, this is, is dog. Hello, this is dog. Hello, this is lobster. <laughs> it's, on my, it's on my mind because Trump spoke to hello, this is dog today. Oh, right. That's true. Yeah, I've seen yeah. Yep, a lot of those memes. Um, hey, handsome, I tell you guys doing out there. Uh, we are going to be discussing the end of the fucking world by Charles Schwarzman later on in Nerd by Book Club. The now, uh, it was it a hit Netflix series. Uh, the title, the the cover of that comic book tells me. Mm-hmm. It's quite good. Did you watch it? I have not watched it. Oh man, I thought we'd get to talk about it. Uh, this is a comic book podcast. Well, this is not a Netflix podcast. <laughs> Like, whatever. <laughs> Yet, at least. <laughs> it's about 50% of wrestling podcast. Hey, hey. Keeping it down to like 47%. Thank you very much. All right. It's not a minority. Our goal is, 40, our goal is 43. Yeah, we're getting down. It's working its way down slowly but surely. <laughs> One less reference about the Great Muda this week. Uh, oh, I love the Great Muda. He was, I, was, I watched footage of him at an indie show this weekend. It was uh, very good. Uh, we can start the show officially with our first segment. It is time for Weekly Floppies. Weekly Floppies is a part show. Eric and I will uh, read a selection of the past couple weeks' books and tell you to buy or do not buy them. Uh, we're going to start off. Just looking at this comic makes me laugh. Uh, it, is a, it, is a, it is a hell of a comic, isn't it? It is damage, number one. Let me, let me get the official DC spiel. Let's see. The New Age of Heroes. Mm. Spitting out of the, t- the from the pages of Dark Knight's Metal, I know all this stuff is really appealing to you, Eric. It is so appealing. Damage number one: Storytellers Tony S. Daniel and Robert Venditti, inks Danny Miki, colors Tomu Tomu Mori, letters Tom Napolitano. So, so Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, this fella, this this damage fella. Mm-hmm. He's a soldier. Mm-hmm. And exactly one hour a day. Mm-hmm. He can turn into this giant monster man that looks uh, mostly like the Hulk. Um, except, yeah. Except he has like a lot. He's very nineties. 
He's he's pretty nineties, yeah. He's a very nineties designed character looking like guy. And uh then there's this uh this patch eye patch lady. It's the boss. Mm-hmm. Um going after him. What do you what do you think about damage? <sighs> I think I think like I think nineties comics are just their own genre now. It feels like I don't it. even I, yeah, I don't even know, like, what to feel about this, because I've been reading books like this to be like, oh, it's so dumb, uh, for so long, but, like, this is, it, it's it's like making fun of Christmas movies, you know? At a certain point, like, it's being exactly what it needs to be, and it it's hard for me to judge this. Because it, there's people out there that want big, hyper-masculine grossness with dumb sound effects and posing, shit blowing up, and people saying, I'm a soldier! Colonel! <laughs> the sound effect looks like it's literally kill. It does. I was going to say, I'm like, that's very intentional. That has to be. That's so stupid. The guy doesn't have a nose. He does not have a nose. It's And he's fucking, he's wrecking the city, and... Like, wh- wh- where is it where he's like, leave the people alone? Eh. Like he's, I don't know. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> this is the st- stupidest of stupid comics. And maybe that's your bag. I, I don't know. It, it's, it feels, it feels like, I, again, I think you're right. It feels like 90s comics is just a genre now. And that some people just, that's all they want. I think mm-hmm. that they just want to read comics like that forever. And to me, can we can we like just coin it like Liefeldian? It's the Liefeldian genre. Mm-hmm. So it's a Liefeldian. It's this is yeah. definitely Liefeldian. Uh, yeah. But it feels like Indiana Jones Five. This mm-hmm. feels like a a comic that was made a story that was like in, intended to be told seriously. That feels like a parody. Yeah. And it. I don't know. It, it, it's not, I, there's nothing in it that it doesn't feel derivative to me about the story. Uh, Tony's, Tony Downs art, uh, I think is like good for, for Liefeldian John, mm-hmm. I, I guess. It's, yeah. It is. So, so, yeah. I don't, I don't know how to like say it other than that. I feel like it is a perfect example of it. It is clearly putting a lot into it. It's just everything in this is something I've read before. And mm-hmm. probably like it has, it has, it's the Hulk, it's Agent Venom, it's a dozen other, <laughs> a dozen other comics that I've read a bunch of times. And, and maybe, they're all better. I mean, I don't know if they're better. At least some well, of them. They're, they're, they're certainly better for me. Yeah. If, if, if you like dumb popcorn comics in the Rob Liefeld style, I mean, bless you. This is, here's one for you. I, I don't like reading the same comic over and over with a different artist and a different colorist. I don't just like it when characters show up. I, li- I like it when there's story and... Substance? Yeah. I didn't even notice that's supposed to be some giant woman's huge legs behind the Suicide Squad. I mean, Task Force X. Is that XL? <laughs> Don't know. It's Task Force XL. I, I don't know. I'm a do not buy on this thing. I think if you want this comic, you already know it. And I'm not one of them, and I don't think Eric is either. I'm 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 super not into it. Okay. 
Double do not buy damage, number one. Our next up is Ice Cream Man, number one. What the? Written by W. Maxwell Prince. Art by Martine Marazzo. Colors Chris O'Halloran. Lettering by Good Old Neon. Good Old Neon. Does It does say Good Old Neon. What's your favorite flavor? Of ice cream? Email. Email uh, the writer. He wants to know. It says that? It says it on the credits page underneath all the credits. It says, what's w. your favorite Maxwell flavor? Maxwell Prince. Email. At gmail.com. Um... This is a weird thing. Yes. This is one of the weirdest comics we've ever read together. It's, I, I have, I, from what I could tell, this is like a Twilight Zone-esque eerie Indiana thing. You know, weird X-Files episodic mix, you know, like, yeah, you're, I think we're going to be, you know, this weird stuff happening in this town with this weird ice cream man and weird, weird stuff happening every issue. But not necessarily discrete, like serialized. These not all these stories are necessarily going to connect to each other, as far as I can tell. Hmm. Monster of the week type stuff. There may be, I imagine there, it would, or maybe Twin Peaksy. I think that's also another good comparison point. Um, I find this oddly charming. Yeah, me too. The parts that are kind of hokey and muppety and bad just sort of add to the flavor, and it's just so bizarre and unexpected that it's. Hard not to take some interest. It's it's just it's just so strange, and I think would when, you, when your 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 description there, because I was sort of reading it as this story was going to progress with these characters, but you're almost describing Welcome to Night Vale, the comic. I mean, a little. I think they were. I re, I was the I read the the um solicitation, solicitation. for issue two, and it was it seemed like it's it's still in this town. And I'm sure the ice cream man's going to pop up and give ice cream to people and look creepy. But mm-hmm. I don't, it didn't seem like it had anything to do with spiders or wolfmen or like the, I'm sure the cops will have reoccurring roles, but, and maybe there will be connections to all this stuff in the end, but it feels a little bit disconnected from, you know, necessarily the, the next story I had. Like the, the, the storyline in this is, I mean, it's a weird spider kid who has his parents, the, but then there's a wolf man. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I. I like it, despite it's being so. I think it's just because it's so bizarre and so like un, so surprising. It's just you're like, hey, I. It's. It's not formulaic. It. It feels mm-hmm. because it's crazy. You're just like, oh wow. There's now the spider is on the wolf man. Okay. All right. I. I I'm. A, I think I'm a buy on it. Like it's yeah. insane, but fun. Also. I didn't get a little bit of a, a arachnophobia flashbacks, and I don't need that in my life. But other than that, you ever seen that movie, Eric? I have not. Don't. Don't see it. Fair enough. Uh, it created the fear of spiders to me, which one did not exist prior. Uh, so it's aptly named. I'm a buy on this comic. I'm a reluctant buy just because this is so weird and it makes me so uncomfortable. But this is a weird, interesting comic, and good for them for making it. So, yeah, check it out. Buy it. Absolutely. That's a double buy on Ice Cream Man, number one. The title. Uh, our next book is Old Man Hawkeye, number one. An Eye for an Eye, part one. Written by Ethan Sachs. Art, Marco Cecchetto. Colors, Andre Massa. Letters, Joe Hermania. So, you remember Old Man Logan, right? I I do. He's... Okay. Still around. He is still around. Dude. He is still an X-Man. One of the three Wolverines. Mm-hmm. And... Seem to be one of five. <laughs> yes. 
so you remember in Old Man Logan, there Hawkeye was in it, and he was blind. Mm-hmm. Because it was awesome. It's yeah. pretty good. And one then, of the better parts of that that comic that is maybe not aged great. I think it's I think it's every day it depreciates in value. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, um, it is not aged like um quite like Civil War, but no, I feel like yeah, it, it because it takes place in alternate dimension. It, it I think helps it a little bit. But uh, so this is a prequel comic to Old Man Logan, uh, following Hawkeye around before as he's losing his vision. This is him being kind of a mercenary in in the wasteland. Uh, and he's losing his vision. He wants, I, this is his last big, his, the last thing he's doing before his vision goes is what this feels. This feels like one last ride kind of thing. What do you, what do you think, Eric? Worthwhile? Um, I enjoyed reading it. It, it looks nice. It feels dumb and unnecessary, but I mean, I, I you can throw a rock and hit a worse comic right now. I don't know. This is fun and well drawn, and this is another Michael Bay movie of a comic book. Where I don't know why he's, um, I don't know why he's Grandpa Jesus in this. Who is? Is it Multiple Man? Who is this guy? Yeah, it's multiple. It's Multiple Man without the original. Made, um, uh, that's I. I'm very. Curious. Like I I like Multiple Man a lot, and they were like, "Yeah, we don't talk about the original Man and Matron, the progenitor, as they call it." Mm-hmm. So these are these are dupe, dupes that have, I guess, wandered off and done their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think yeah, it it's a very pretty book. Um, and I mean, so was so was Old Man Logan. Yes, Old Man Logan was yes. Steve McNiven is a uh, very good, and I think this is very pretty as well. Uh, I again, I don't. I think it doesn't need to exist. Like what you said is valid. Like what? Like it doesn't. I don't know. It, it, but I feel like I will probably buy the trade of this. You know, it's twelve issues. I'll probably buy this collected, and I'll go. Oh, this is like a mm-hmm. fun Western adventure in this weird alternate universe with like a you know wasteland Hawkeye facing off against wasteland red eye bullseye. Like it. It's it's fun, I yeah. think. I mean, old man Logan was fun. He's driving a spider buggy on windows and fighting Tyrannosaurus and chopping hulks up. And it's it's it was a weird world. And this, I think, gets the tone of it. It's a little bit too much. The gang's all here in some points, and it's just kind of signaling, oh hey, you know, here's more of this. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's not bad. No, I I think that's it's, that's where I'm at. It, right, it's fun and it makes me it makes me a little nostalgic for a book that I had a lot of fondness of during that era of comics. Yeah, I think I, I'm a buy in, in this. I I think I'm gonna. I think this issue is good, and I think I will probably read buy it and trade once. Like we might even read it. Who knows? Um, but I feel like it's. I, I don't expect a lot from it, and I don't. I I, I think it's unlike. Like a doomsday clock, which is a you know a book connected to a thing I should I think shouldn't be touched. I don't hold Old Man Logan in any kind of esteem, like as like this precious mm-hmm. artifact. So if you want to throw another story in that dead universe, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. What in tarnation? What in tarnation? I'm a buy. Yeah, double buy. Old Man Hawkeye number one. Uh, next up, uh, we're we're just gonna do these books together because we might as well. Uh, Avengers six seventy five and six seventy six, uh, written by Mark Wade, Al Ewing, and Jim Zub. Art Pepe Larraz. 
colors David Curiel, letters Corey Pettit. As far as I can tell, the the these first two issues have the exact same creative teams. Um, this is a th- this book is coming out weekly. It's a an, twenty an four issue no surrender storyline. Twenty four um, damn issues. Yep. In 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 three months we'll have well, four, no four months. Wait, six months. What's math? <laughs> Eric, help help me. Twenty four. Four, four divided by twenty four is six. Six months of Avengers of a weekly Avengers comic book. And this, it's, I don't know the, who knows what the, the grand total of this thing is going to look like. Um, it, it already reminds me of Infinity Gauntlet a lot because half the heroes or more than half the heroes are just kind of like out of commission, but frozen very conveniently. And then, and also it feels, makes me, reminds me of, um, most recently is Sentry, the Sentry storyline where suddenly there's a hero that we all forgot about. Mm hmm. And they even pulled a lot of the same tricks by like showing us, you know, old Silver Age style art with the, that hero inserted. It made me think of, because um, I never read that, obviously, but um, it made me think of, uh, what the hell, Supreme, mm-hmm. Alan Moore's Supreme. Yes. Another, I mean, it's been done Yeah, a few times by now. Uh, what do you think about this? Are you on board with this Avengers? 24 issues of Avengers on a weekly basis? Uh, 24 seems like kind of a lot, but at least in terms of the conceit of it, I mean, you can say, yeah, it's been done here and here. I am not, I'm not bored with it. I don't know. I think it's kind of clever that these guys came up with this. It is a really it it reads so weird to me because it feels like a damn like Stanley like Jack Kirby book like it's so big and dumb and everyone speaks in that strange rhetorical voice that I actually don't I don't associate with these creators. No, it, it I mean it feels like there's a bit of pastiche that's been put on in this mm-hmm. book and I I like. I, I, some of it is, I think, fine. I feel like some of it is, some of it is put upon because of that Voyager character. Um, and I, I think she is the most fascinating thing to me about mm-hmm. this. I don't care about, I don't, I don't care about the, 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 these villains really. Like, I don't, they're not really that compelling to me. Um, I felt like everything that's been done with them since Hickman left Marvel has been underwhelming. I think, I I don't know. I I'm kind of against the idea of weekly a weekly comic book because it's not oh. it's not going to have the same artist for the entire story. This is going to have right. This is going to have completely multi- un right. It's completely unsustainable like that. Yeah, and they're so they'll, they'll I I don't know. I imagine that after this these two books have the same artist, but I imagine that after maybe the first four they'll switch to a new one. And I don't. I, 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 you're gonna, ha- this is gonna be collected at some point. This is gonna be 24 issues of a, of a story. And then it's gonna culminate, obviously, and this is 675, and it's gonna culminate at issue 700. So probably, I imagine something big's gonna happen. And like, that's all well and good. And I think the story is fine. I just, I, I feel like it doesn't, it's, I, it's gonna come out in the wash in a lot of ways, but I, I hope that, they do more with Voyager than they are doing than they have ever done with the Century. The Century was mishandled and poorly written and used in various ways. He's been brought back again in Doctor Strange um, by Donny Cates, so I'm thankful for that because I always had a soft spot for that dumb character. But I feel like if you're gonna re- try and recontextualize uh, your so your your the the origins of the Avengers, 
with this new forgotten character, it has to really mean something. And you, you, and I, like, the clear first thought is, oh, she's gonna be a villain in this. That's my first, like, oh, is that what they're gonna do? She just be tricking them or something? But, it is compelling, but I don't know really, like, I don't, it's, it's more about just my, like, morbid curiosity. Like, I wanna mm-hmm. know what 24 issues of this looks like. Like, how, how do they stretch out this story for 24 issues and make it compelling and interesting? Like, it's gotta be, like, that's an epic. That's like a lot. For, for mm-hmm. one storyline, and I don't know these I, these guys are capable, and I like it so far. I'm just not. I think I'm just unsure about how that could be, how you can pull that off. It feels feels like something very audacious that is dangerous as well. And and the way that Marvel has marketed and sold comic books in the past, I like. I just don't have any faith in them. Like. I think I was on record at some point on this podcast saying, like, don't, why are you doing, like, I don't like Batman coming out twice a month. And now this is coming out on a weekly basis. And they're all, they're like, yeah, people like books coming out more and more and more. I'm like, well, I'm okay with them not, but I, I don't know if I'm just in a minority there. Like, I don't need a comic book to come out once a week. And that's, I feel like I'm torn. Like, I like this book well enough. It's just, I don't. Like everything, I don't like the marketing, and I don't like selling books on a weekly basis because it's not sustainable. And I like in when in in eight years from now, when I go back and I want to read uh, No Surrender, I want to have it look consistent, but it's going to have five different artists on it or six different artists on it. And I don't know. Are you a buyer? I mean, you may be convincing me that. It's it's not all that worthy. I am still intrigued, and I still like this team. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. This really is a tough one, because I don't know that I want to go all in for 24 issues. A lot of this, I didn't really go into this knowing. I don't know. I think, for me, at least weekly, I would sit it out. It's it's too big. It's too much. I, re- I really question, can it can it captivate my interest for that long? Yeah, that, and that's maybe the, maybe give it maybe give it another two weeks and see how it feels. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's when you think about it, it is you're spending. You know, that's four dollars. Well, the first issue, the six ninety five is five dollars, and it's four dollars for every single issue afterwards. So that that is sixteen dollars a month for six months just for this one storyline. Mm-hmm. That's nearly a hundred dollars. It's ninety six dollars at the end of the day. For this story, and I don't think the collection is going to cost ninety six dollars. I certainly hope not. So I, I think I just like I. It's nothing necessarily wrong with it. It is not good enough for me for me to think like if in the long term, like spending a hundred dollars on that. It's I don't want to do that, and so I'm literally a do not buy. Yeah, I struggle with it still, but um, I think I agree with you. I think it's a sound sound argument. And it's, I think, so, yeah. I think it's a thing that we lose sight of and like comics are expensive mm-hmm. and people like, and, and I saw a creator on Twitter this week, like comics are cheap. I'm like, no, they're not. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, I don't know what you think a normal person's budget is for art, but it's getting less and less. And and if you compare it to Netflix or yeah. a video game, I mean, that was the most compelling argument in, um, in Colin Space Twink's, like, big, long twine rant, mm-hmm. where he talked about for seven damn dollars a, a, a month, you can get all the Crunchyroll manga and anime 
that you can watch. You can just read it all and you can watch it all on multiple different devices to where that gets you two motherfucking Marvel comics. And to keep up with this, you'd have to read for a, for a month for six months. And mm-hmm. I don't like it's just a value proposition. Like I I don't think that the art in this is not not valuable. But yeah, at a certain point, I. I think you have to think about cold, hard economics. And it's like, you have a certain, like, I look at how much money I spend on comics for every week, and it's just like, I don't, I'm not a normal person. I don't think most people can afford to spend 20 bucks a, a week on comic mm-hmm. books. And they're like, and this is what this is supposed, this is supposed to be the big event. Like, this is the big thing for legacy. Like, look at Avengers. It's back. No surrender. It's a big, giant creative team. It's what DC has done with, with Batman and, and events. And like, it feels like Marvel is trying to do the same thing. And I don't, I don't want it. I want it, like I want intricacy. I don't want like a big blustery thing with the Avengers Mansion being blown up and Jarvis being out of a building drop on him. Maybe it's just where I'm at as a fan. So double do not buy on Avengers six seventy five six seventy six. That is it for Wave the Floppies this week. We can move on to our next segment. It is time for checking in. Checking in is the part show. Where can I talk about what we've been up to? The past couple of weeks, uh, things we've read or seen or played or done, things that we think are cool or or not cool. If, cool. If, if we're leaning that way. So what's up, Eric? What's up, buddy? What's happening? Mm-hmm. You know. Do I watch some stuff? What you watch? You want to hear about it? I do. I watched the the internet's new darling, Devil Man Cry Baby. I have heard wildly disparate opinions about that. What you think? I have really enjoyed it. I think mostly, and I, my reasoning behind it is weird. I think like it's very different from a lot of things that I've read, but for some reason, it's definitely hearkening me back to like very much so the manga video era of um, just outrageously violent anime and stuff just kind of being bad on purpose because that was really definitely what i thought of devil man and it it make it makes me feel like i'm 17 and watching yuratsuki doji for the first time again do you know what yuratsuki doji is no idea it's i actually don't know if it was the first one but it's kind of like the granddaddy of uh tentacle porn manga okay um really dark weird um i enjoy it a lot I think it's a really interesting and wild book, and the same part of me that likes it really likes Devil Man Cry Baby. Like it's, it's like really unnecessarily sexual and like unnecessarily violent, and I don't know why that's so satisfying, but it really is. Is like I, I, I go ahead. Is the appeal of the devil is that Devil Man is just the nostalgia? I don't know. I think it is pretty good on its own, and I do enjoy it, but I think it is pretty trashy, you know? But, like, I like it for what it is. I still have not watched the ending. I think it's flawed and dark and pretty fucked up, but I still really thoroughly enjoy it. Because like, I, 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 have, I have seen... 
one person like literally within the span of probably an hour i saw people on twitter mm-hmm. someone going this is the worst this is terrible i don't have no idea why people like it it's ugly and dumb and then another person say this is the most transcendent thing i've ever i need to take a break mm-hmm. this was so good and i'm like Ugh. i have I, I mean i have um my that has been kind of my experience with netflix anime is that it's very divisive did i ever check in with neo yokio also on netflix i I think you've mentioned i don't know if you i don't know if you've done on the podcast i know you've mentioned to me but it might have been i yeah it's entirely possible neo yokio is really delightful i like it a lot it's really weird uh in that it's like if wes anderson made an anime because it's like jaden smith one right yeah it's got jaden smith as uh the main character and it's got that kind of like you know one percenter upper middle class like person who you know they've like have like crushing ennui and they're in fabulous wealth and but that's even kind of the gag about the show you know that um it's it's preposterous that his whole life exists and like you know it's that's the thing that's hard to accept about it is you know he's flying around on mecca and all the typical like anime genre stuff you expect but all the stuff that's fucking real is even more far-fetched because there's all kinds of shit that's real and it's just it's a really interesting show but also really divisive because people just didn't get the humor they didn't understand it and I don't. Maybe it's the same thing with Devilman Crybaby. Maybe it's just really targeted at people that watched a lot of manga video garbage in the in the late nineties. Should I watch it? I would recommend it to everyone to at least watch maybe the first issue or two. Um, I think it's a lot of fun, but I I mean it is it is most definitely excessively violent it is very sexual for no good reason uh and it 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 definitely tries to project hey i'm bad on purpose i think it's worth watching i think it's really really fun and interesting okay cool you got anything else uh well i did watch the end of the fucking world but uh we'll we'll touch on that (laughs) i think we will i wish i do wish you had watched it i had intended to watch and read but we didn't we didn't talk about that. We just talked about reading books, not Netflix and Netflixes. <laughs> uh, I did. I read a I read a book and I played a video game, Eric. OK, that sounds like you. Yep. Uh, the book is called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Uh, have you heard of this? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. OK, it is. It is a. It came out last year, very beginning of last year, I think. No, the end of 2016. It's been around for a while. Um, but it, it's been floating around in kind of process art, like in the, the, all the creative type people I follow, it is, it kind of has floated around as like, Hey, here's a thing to help you work better. Hmm. Um, and I finally, I think I saw Kieran Gillen's someone asked him what he thought, what the, what he thought of it. And I saw that I'm like, I should probably, I had seen it before. I'm like, I should probably read it. And, uh, and what was his response? Kieran Gillen's was, uh, it, it's, it, it's. Uh, useful and, uh, good and worth, worth reading. Uh, it's, it is not necessarily all, it is not geared towards artists first and foremost. It is mostly geared towards, uh, like coders or, 
um, uh, academic types. I think those are number one is definitely programmers, coders, and then two is for scholarly people. But I, it, any, any, if you're doing any kind of, I don't know, intense, like long, intense work of any type, I feel like it is, it, you can get something out of it. I mean, he does use, he has, there's, he uses examples of writers in there a lot. So it's, if you do work in art, I think it has useful stuff in there. It is about, you know, as the title implies, it is about deep work. It is about, it defines what deep work is, uh, defines why deep work is valuable and more valuable now than ever and how you can better achieve it, how you can fine tune your process, uh, in your work and how you can basically get to the point where you're doing deep work, which is very valuable. And deep work is basically any, any kind of work that would be improved by long periods of intense focus. And, you know, he uses this example of, you know, of, of a professor at Harvard who managed to write, like, put out a incredibly prodigious amount of scholarly papers, which is incredibly valuable when you're a uh, professor, uh, a scholar in a, in a university setting. Like, that is... Between what, how, how good a teacher you are and that is basically all how valuable you are in your field. And he talks about how, how these people have achieved this and it is by, and, and by like just intensely focusing on one thing. You know, he talks a lot about the, our current culture of, of our current, a lot of workplace culture bouncing around. Uh, I've certainly encountered it in jobs I've been in is where, you know, you're expected to be able to do a million things all at once and people mm. want, people want email replies within an hour and you're supposed to be able to, you know, you're supposed to be jumping around and the, the idea of having open offices. He talks about that. Like a lot of those ideas of like, here's modern workplace culture. And a lot of it, he's like, it's bad. It doesn't help you. You don't, you, he says the best work is work where you can block out as much distraction as you possibly can and focus on exactly one thing. Uh, and oh, a lot of the advice on how to do that is stuff I already know. And most people who have a common sense now, it's like, yeah, turn off your internet. If you don't need the internet for your job, turn it off for while you're working. Don't turn off your social media while you're working or turn it off altogether. If you can, obviously, yes, he's like, yeah, social media is actually meant to brainwash you to keep using it forever. So it's actually, yeah, very bad <laughs> for work. Surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not surprising to me. I know that it's just, it's very addictive. And he talks about how, yeah, it's, sometimes it's, 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 it's so addictive. It's hard to break free of it, but also, you know, there's other things about how, you know, email, uh, email, like how to handle your email, how to like, like very small little things you can do, how to plan your day, all those things, which are, I think there's a lot of things in here that are just cold from other, other, books and other advice people give about how to do work more efficiently and do work and work better. But I, the more interesting thing in this book is really the kind of the what and the, the what and the why instead of the how, like the ethos behind it and um, why it's important. And it, it, it is kind of a reaffirmation of like, I kind of stuff I kind of knew, but reading it in the book and have, he's a very good writer. Uh, He's written a lot of other books like this about, you know, he has a book about how to uh, get into a best college or get better grades and for that's geared towards students. But this is, I don't know, it, it, he, he's very skilled at uh, writing clearly and, and, and forcefully. And it's, it was, it's, it's a good read. And I think anybody who wants to work better and work harder and 
it also and I think the other thing I appreciate about it is the fact that it addresses the fact that work harder and work better does not mean work more. It, it he he like he clearly is like yeah you the point of this is so that you can work hard and and focus deeply on something during your your hours of work that you have you've set aside like this is you work you work from eight till five thirty and then you're you're finished. And you can do that because you work hard, because you focus so intently on this thing, you get work done faster and it's better work for it. Let me, let me tell you something. Okay. Friday, I spent probably the whole work day trying to do, you know, maybe a dozen things. I Mm -hmm. came in on Saturday with no one to distract me and did them all in an hour and a half. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know what you're saying is very incredibly appealing to me. Yeah. And, and good God. And he talks about like, yeah, obviously some of the advice won't work in some workplace settings because you have to communicate. Like maybe your boss needs you to email them a bunch. And like, it's not like you can just go to your boss and say, I'm not going to email you at, you know, at every three hours, three times a day because you asked for your replies at exactly those times. But he does like give you a, give some kind of gentle advice about here's like, like even if you have restrictions in your workplace about how you can how you have to handle things how you have to handle distractions and stuff like that he gives gentle advice around that like Mm -hmm. here's a way you can try and change your workplace culture to try and influence this he like talks about a company that uh one of the the leaders of the company basically said this is an entire day no email don't email don't answer emails on this day he told the entire company and well, crazy enough, without them having to worry about talking to people all day long, they got a lot of work done on those days. Mm-hmm. So it, there's a lot of stuff in that. It, it's really it's a good read, and it, it reads re- pretty quick. And I don't know, it feels valuable. Uh, the other is a video game, Eric. Your favorite kind of video game? Is it a shitty, boring one? I know you like those. I mean, no, this is not. <laughs> That's that might be the next when I play the 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 whaling simulation game. That might be that. That does sound like that uh, might be the, the walking simulation where you 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 look at whales. Well, this is. I mean, I, from what I could tell, that video game that game is actually pretty like spreadsheet kind of numbers crunchy heavy as well as a weird homage to Moby Dick. But uh, no, I it's a roguelike deck builder mm. called Slay the Spire on Steam. It's on early access. Uh, I believe it's like fifteen bucks. Probably in the U.S. It's 18 in Canadian, so that's my rough. Yeah, 15.99. There you go. Uh, it is. It, it is a deck building game in that you are climbing a tower, a spire. Uh, you're choosing your path. You know, you're fighting monsters. You fight them by building a, a deck. Uh, there's a lot of board games like this with their deck builders, and now video, and there's been a few video games that have adapted that, but this is. Uh, like the clearest like analog to a deck building board game in that you start off with a very basic deck of attacks and defense. Uh, you're going to fight monsters. You play attack cards, you do them damage. You play defend cards, you prevent damage to you. It's very simple. Uh, but as you progress, you add cards to your deck and remove cards from your deck and upgrade cards. And there's a, there's a lot of mechanics that are added in as you go. Uh, I am really engaged with this game i it's a game like you just want to i just keep wanting to like okay just one more game and then i'm like i look and it's like oh it's 1 30 in the morning i should go to bed huh i should stop playing this game it's it's just one you just want to get i can get further next time you know you start you start with a fresh deck every single game you know so there's there's you unlock new cards there is that so there's a little bit of a 
progression elements in there. As you play more and more, you unlock more cards. But for the most part, you're starting fresh in each run, but you're learning and you're, you're building, I'm building a better deck as, cause I know what is a better deck. And if you like deck building board games, this is like, and you want a video game that will scratch that same itch and you don't want to like have to, you don't have to scrounge up other people to play with. This is perfect. It's in early it's access. Always perfect if you don't like people. Yeah, it's in early access, uh, but it's I don't know. There's a lot there. I don't. I've never. I've not once gone. Oh man, I wish there was more. If you, I have not even gotten. I've gotten just past the second boss, and there's just more and more. Uh, there's two characters to play with now. There will be adding a third by the time the game is released. But I still haven't finished anything with the first character. And I've probably played ten hours for fifteen bucks. It's pretty good. Sixteen bucks. Uh, I definitely recommend it. Slay the Spire. I don't, I don't know about the title. I'm not totally sold on that title, but it's a good game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Eric, you ready to talk about the end of the fucking world? I am ready to fuck the end of the world. Wait, wait, no, that's... Uh, okay. It is time for Nerdboy Book Club. Nerdboy Book Club is the part show. Eric and I will sign a longer collective work and discuss it in depth like it would a book club instead of it's, it's a comic book. Uh, this week we are reading The End of the Fucking World uh, by Charles Forsman or T-E-O-T-F-W if you uh, don't want to put that on your you want to put that on your comicsology cover because you don't want to have to have people read uh, curse words I guess or you go to a bookstore and read a curse word I suppose. They had the letters blotched out with um, what do you call them Post-it notes on my edition at the bookstore. <laughs> Can't have re- kids reading those those awful words. Mm, eh, they're definitely kids at that bookstore, so can't blame them. What do you think about this book, Eric? Do you like it? Yeah. Okay. Of course. You don't? I'm not sure. I think that's really unusual because I, I mean, I certainly, I already had my copy of the book and i'd been intending to read it and i like chuck forsman a lot i have read revenger and maybe a little bit of slasher slasher was not quite so much my thing but i think revenger is very interesting and visceral and i like it a lot like his this is very interesting from him because it feels like him and not like him because I feel like even Slasher is a little bit more in keeping with um, Revenger. This is really different. But I I don't know. I think it's it's interesting and it's very compelling. But I unfortunately I have the I have the lens of like I saw most of well, probably about half of the show before I started reading this. Started reading this. And it fills in some of the gaps. This is basically like a series of four zines that got collected as a as a more serious comic. I I think for that kind of thing, for being one of his earlier works, I think it's really impressive. I think it's a really interesting piece of fiction. Um, you know, not without its flaws, but I don't know. I think we might get an interesting discussion out of this because it looks very different to me having seen the show than I imagine it does to you having not seen it. I'm not like, I, I can clearly see the art in it and I, right. And I, I like, I like a lot 
of stuff in it. I think a lot of it is very artful and interesting. I think ultimately why I'm kind of unsure about my feelings, I, 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 I don't know if it's really anything the book does necessarily like that goes, Oh, I don't like that. It, it's more of, I, I, I don't have a lot of energy left for kind of ambiguous. Like I, I, like I think there is something here about the, this, this kid who thinks he's a sociopath, I suppose. And him, like the turning point in this book is, is very, I don't know, taxi driver esque. Like I, I saw comparisons online to Travis Bickle, uh, Robert De Niro's character in Taxi Driver in this character. I felt like that was pretty apt in these like kind of aimless sociopathic characters that end up doing something heroic, not necessarily because they mean to. I think that there is an interesting comparison point, like that the turning point in the book is right when he, when he, uh, when he kills that guy, the, the, the Satanist murderer guy, I suppose. And I feel like there is something there about him seeing, a, a, like, that's a version of himself in another world or in a different setting, like different events. Like there's a possibility he becomes that guy and instead he doesn't. But I'm not sure, like, I don't get anything much out of the book aside from like, yeah, the, like there's these two aimless kids and one of them is, uh, kind of like he's doesn't know what he is because he doesn't have feelings and he doesn't know what to do. And, you know, he has a couple moments where you're like, okay, maybe he's not a bad kid. Cause you know, he like, he has a moment where he like, could have killed his girlfriend, but he does it. And I'm like, that's not really a typical save the cat moment, but yeah. it, it is very much like, okay, he is showing a little bit of vulnerability and openness because he is committing to staying with her and not lapsing into what he could easily become. And, and then the other moment is him saving her basically from that Satanist guy, even though they broke into his house and whatever. Um, I, I feel like there's not. I feel like there's a little bit of like I'm, I feel like there's not enough in the book itself to to give me exactly what it's saying. It feels like I am mm -hmm. I'm having to supply a lot of the connective tissue. And yeah, I think the ambiguity at the end of the day is what is like makes me go. I don't know. I I get that. I can see how a lot of that's missing. I think it still manages to tell an awful lot of that, and it's a lot of story. And a lot of sort of a, a, a lot of propelling through a lot of different events and what's not a very dense book. I think the lack of density is, you know, why you don't get all that nuance. But basically everything that you're looking for is more filled in in the show. It's almost unfair to look at this by itself. Um, like I can't. I can't see it the way you're seeing it because everything you're addressing is they basically looked at all the problems this had and fleshed it out better. Well, I, that's the thing I was like I when I was looking I was looking for like critical thought about this and mm -hmm. it's impossible to find because all there is is Netflix. Yeah. It's just like look at all like there's a billion reviews of the Netflix show and they're all very positive. It's I I was like, well, I just want to know what the people think about the book. And I'm like, I was like, I'm reading Goodreads reviews for what that's worth. And it's just like, eh, okay, I, this is, I'm not really getting many like critical eye, like critical thoughts about it. 
I don't know. It it is it's kind of it is not dense. You know, it is it's almost it feels like it's almost purposely not dense. Yeah. If it, it feels like they like it feels like he purposely left a lot of empty space in here. Like the all the panels are, you know, it's it's very broad big panel. There's never like there's no 12 panel pages. It's all like five panels, six panels, five panels, two panels, four panels. It feels very much like here's a very clear and uh what's the word look for uh measured almost it feels uh i can't think of the word the exact word i'm thinking of but it is very consistent throughout the book of just like here is a measure it's a measured amount of 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 story and character on each page mm-hmm. and it, it very rarely varies it very rarely moves off that yeah. path you're saying that it's dishing it out uh, in a in a measured way is what you're saying. That's yeah. what your use of measured means. Yes, yes. And I, I I definitely agree with that. Like I I that's what impresses me about it is it's got a brilliant economy to it because this is a really small book, but a lot of things happen. It introduces a lot of characters. It really cuts around a lot of the bullshit of storytelling and gets right to the meat of the situation almost every time. That is a thing that I really like about it. No, I, I like, I think my main complaint is based is, is not really how he tells the story. It is oh, what, it, what is in this story. I, I like, yeah. I think that his storytelling is actually like for how simple the art is, is actually incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't necessarily like that. That cop Satanist lady looks like Lucy from peanuts. That but, also strange. I, I I agree with that. It's weird. But other than that, uh, I I think it like it. I think it, uh, a lot of the I don't know the 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 way that he shows the violence in it is is very effective because it's all it's because of that because of that the, like the choices in his storytelling. It's it and because of the like it's all black and white. It's all very like clean. And then suddenly there's a gigantic pool of black on the page that is blood. And you're like, oh, wow, right. Violence. That's what that is. Uh, I don't know. I, I, the, the few times there's blood in this, I think is all, is always very effective. Um, and I, I think that's, I don't know. I feel like the, I, I want to like these. I probably will watch the show. Uh, I, I, I hardly recommend it. I, I, I like these. Like I like the idea of these kids. Like I, I'm not necessarily uh, arbitrarily opposed to like you know disaffected youth going on a rampage or running away or whatever. I think those stories can be very effective. It is. I never. I feel like there's just not quite enough there. And I think that ambiguity can be good at times. But I, I, I don't know. I think as I get older, I want, I want to see intent. Like, I, if I can't read the intent, I, I think it's uh, uh, it's missing something. Like, I think arterial, arterial intent is important. And I kind of wish that the boy, I don't even remember their names. James. James, James and Alyssa. Alyssa. I should know his name. She carved it in her goddamn arm. Yep. Um, I feel like he doesn't, I don't get enough from him. I don't, like, I, is he, I assume his father is supposed to be read as abusive. Yeah, it's um, it's actually interesting, and this is not – I don't think this is really a, a spoiler at all, but his father is like 
really not a bad dude at all in the show, which I think is an interesting decision. He does read as pretty jerky. I mean, borderline abusive or just, you know, coded as abusive. I mean, I think I, – I mean, I, I assume that's what I'm – like, she, her, uh, Alyssa, it talks about her mother and her mother's boyfriend and calls him a pervert. And I think, like, that – like, that clearly – okay, I understand why she would leave. But I, I guess it's just the type of kid that James is where he gets into his uh, argument with his dad and so he just punches him and then runs. Mm-hmm. And it's not – I like, I don't ever get a point of, like, his father is, like, some awful monster. It just – and it, it's hard for me to ever like James. Yeah. Like, I don't, and I, I think that it's very difficult to tell this type of story unless your rebels, your two kids have either a very compelling reason to leave their parents or they have like a very unmistakable charm to them. Like they have a, a, they, they have, you know, holding Caulfield esque charm. And I never get that from James. I like Alyssa a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, James, I feel like I never quite get there with him. Like, yeah. I, and I know I'm not supposed to like him because he's not very, you know, he's not mm-hmm. supposed to be likable, but I'm supposed to. There's, there's just not a lot of him on the page here. I don't yeah. think there's a lot of, you, you do get more Alyssa in this book, but I think James does have more character moments. You get more of his uh, inner monologue. You feel more about what he's feeling in the show. So, I mean, I, I, I think I get that. Um, you do sort of see him from the outside. Basically, everything that is a little too subtle, they've they've writ a little larger. Right. Do you? Um. This is other. Is his enforcement's other work? Does it look like this? No. Okay. It's like the the inking style is a little wispy, the same way, but his drawing is not that similar. I don't even know who I could compare these other books to. They're very different. This is, I almost kind of prefer this look, but I would not want to read a story like Revenger. Um, I would not want to read a story like Revenger looking like this. I like the way Revenger looks. I, I think, so you're, he changes his, his style to suit the uh, story? Well, this is an older book and it was done as a zine. It was probably a thing that, um, honestly, to be bound in a hardbound book... And sold the way that it is, you know, as this um, this big soon to be a Netflix. Like it's actually kind of preposterous that it exists this way. That it is this. I don't know. It it, it kind of gives it more gravitas than it, than it had. Yeah, and then it, and it, it should. Yeah. Okay. I mean, not that it's not that it's like a poor work of art. No. But like you would probably pick up these zines. Xerox in, you know, and you'd find them in like a indie record store or something, or you'd buy them from Chuck at like an art fair in like 2013 or whenever he made them. And you'd be like, hey, that's a pretty neat little mini comic. It's a weird thing. It's interesting. And then, you know, like Netflix and this English TV channel take it and make it into a show. They flesh out the good parts of it, and it's a big hit. I mean, it is very compelling and it touches on a lot of things that a lot of people feel you know and the they i don't know they just punch up the right parts of it it's it's very well done but it does kind of ascribe a little bit too much importance to this story you know kind of in a uh um what is it 
an Alan Moore from hell sort of way. I, I think, I mean, presentation matters. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It doesn't, maybe that's, maybe if I picked this up in a, like I just grabbed a zine of it or the, the, all the zines and just read it and went, Oh, okay. This is like it. I don't know. It is a, because of, I don't know, the, the simplicity of the art, uh, the, the, the content of the story of just like, Hey, it's just, it's, it, it's very simple. Like it's just like, here's alternating chapters of these two kids their and their perspectives and following their descent into <laughs> Satanist cops and whatever, whatever's going mm-hmm. on. Uh, when you when you do frame it as like here's a hardbound like put a hardbound cover on it and this ominous t- 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 doesn't even, the end of the fucking world on the cover mm-hmm. it just it, it puts a different context with it yeah and I hadn't thought about that but it's uh, I think it is important like if you had if the cover was it, it feels like that cover m- misled me into thinking this was something that it's not. I I think that is an effect of like, hey, look, making it presentable. The like, it's not supposed to necessarily look presentable. It's supposed to feel like this dirty, simple story. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that is exactly the kind of stories that Chuck tells. You know, dirty, simple, visceral, and I. It's a good example of that. I don't know. I I I think there's a lot of good here. I think there's a, a a lot, a lot, a lot of good here. What exactly were you thinking? What were you led to believe by the cover? I don't, I don't know. Like it, it. I, I think I just, you know, the title is the end of the fucking world, and the cover is black with a big red circle on it, and it looks very proper and ominous. And I'm just like, okay, I, I feel like it felt like it was be, it'd be more destructive. It felt it'd be like bigger than mm-hmm. it is. It, yeah. it felt if it, I thought it'd be more like natural born killers if like yeah uh, not and this and this and that is a another story that is this kind of idea that they've that has been done you know multiple times but I was expecting something more along those lines of of you know two teenagers running amok and and just causing chaos but it instead is really much smaller and simpler and is just hey it's these two kids they're kind of damaged in their own ways. And one of them is probably more damaged and they get caught up in this weird ass, weird ass run from the, of, of some weird cop. And it, I don't know, it, it's spun out in a completely different way than I was expecting. You know, I, not that that's bad. I probably actually, I prefer the, I prefer the smaller, simpler thing than a big thing full of chaos and let, like, because this is clearly not going for that. It is, mm-hmm. it is clear, like everything about the way it's constructed, about the way it's drawn, it all is like here, here is some simplicity. Here is in the art, in the storytelling. Like, I don't know. I, it, I think the cover and the idea that it's a Netflix show, like I immediately, I looked at the Netflix show, uh, Wikipedia page and I looked at the number of episodes. I'm like, there's 13 episodes, I think 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how? That's How? no, I mean, that's what's impressive about it is it doesn't feel like a lot of fluff in the Netflix show. This just feels like they're telling the story really effectively. I don't feel like either one like this doesn't feel it definitely feels like there's stuff that there's more that could be in there. But the Netflix show does not feel too fluffed up. Pat it out. I think it. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not just full of garbage. 
do you th- and I, I like that about it do you think that should people read this for if they're going to watch the show should they read this first or should they watch the show then read it after i kind of just i think i stated it earlier but what i did was i started watching the show and then read most of the book and then finished the show and then read the rest of the book i don't know if there's any like true pure way to do it one way or the other ultimately i think they're different enough that you can get stuff out of it it's there's probably more there's probably more surprises and more content in the netflix show so i think you would probably get a little bit more value out of watching it second and you can read the show in or you can read the book in no time yeah it's a, a very fast read and I think that that is also like, I think I probably would get a little bit more out of it the second time just mm-hmm. because you read through it so quickly. But I don't know. It is, I don't think it is trying to be anything more than it is. Like, I think some of, I think some of his product just of the Netflix show. I think some of it is like, I feel like the presentation, like it just like that has kind of flipped a switch in my mind. Like, I don't think this comic is trying to be anything more than a very simple story with these two kids and nothing more than that. Uh, yeah, it's not trying to say some grand vision of anything. I, I do, I think, my, I think my complaints about it still stand, uh, mm-hmm. to like, I, it not, and not that it's bad because of it, because, but I think it would be better or I'd like it more if I just had a little bit more of that character, which you say is the, the show kind of addresses, but I don't, I don't know. I think it, it's very, it's still very artful and I, Honestly, like the sparseness of it is refreshing. Like you read, like it's a nice change of pace sometimes when you like you're reading the, a super dense story, super dense comic, and then suddenly you read this and it feels very empty and sparse with like big plain white pages with very simple line work, mm-hmm. and, and then it's, and you feel it's kind of like wow, this is it's a very different but still very good and interesting in its own way. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Mm-hmm. So, folks, uh, that was The End of the Fucking World by Charles Foreman. Forsman. Uh, we will uh, be meeting again in two weeks, and we're going to be discussing Four Kids Walk into a Bank. I've already forgotten. By Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss. Uh, it's gotten a lot of rave reviews lately by a lot of different people. I'm very curious what it is. Another, a crime caper about children. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They're babies. Babies. <laughs> It's four babies walking to a bank. Mm-hmm. They're babies. Uh, we will be talking about that in two weeks. Uh, so read along with us. Check it out. I think that'll do it for us this week. So you can find us online. HandsomeBoysComicsHour.com. Find links to everything there to our Facebook. Facebook.com slash HandsomeBoysComicsHour. Twitter at HBCHour. You can email us at HandsomeBoysComics at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach out to us any of those places. Please follow us. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Radio or Google Play Music or any place you listen to podcasts, whatever podcast service, podcatcher you use, uh, give us a good review and tell everyone about us. We it, we like that. We appreciate it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? That's a really good question. Uh, you can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com. And you can see... More of my art and most of the things I get up to online by going to ericzgoodnight.com. That includes my Instagram and my Twitter. Uh, I'm known on both as Easy Goodnight. With that, folks, we will call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll.